Well, in Psalm 116, verse 12, the psalmist asks the question, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? And then he answers that question in three ways. I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Famous pastor and Bible teacher Matthew Henry was once robbed on his way to a meeting. The next day, he wrote of his experience in his diary. He said, let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. Now, how's that for looking on the bright side? No matter how grim and gloomy your circumstances might be today, if you look hard enough, we all have something for which to be thankful. It's been said, if we pause to think, we'll have cause to thank. If you're having trouble finding a reason for which to be grateful today, here are a few suggestions for you. If you can't pay your bills, just be thankful you're not one of your creditors. <laughs> you can be thankful only you and God have all the facts about yourself. Even though you haven't gotten all you want, you can be thankful you hadn't gotten what you deserve. If you can't be thankful for what you've received, at least be thankful for what you've escaped. And lastly, we all can be thankful for many blinds, for if it wasn't for them, it'd be curtains for all of us. Once a teacher asked her fourth grade class to name one thing for which they were thankful. Most of the kids listed their pets and their possessions and their parents, but one little boy responded, I'm thankful for my glasses. They keep me out of a lot of trouble. Well, the teacher was perplexed. She asked the little guy, she says, well, how do your glasses keep you out of trouble? The little boy told her, he said, well, they keep the boys from beating me up and the girls from kissing me. <laughs> we all should have an attitude of gratitude. And this is especially so for those of us who are Americans. For if you've traveled abroad, you realize that what most Americans scrape off their plate after a meal into the garbage disposal would be considered by three-fifths of the world a feast fit for a king. When President Coolidge issued his Thanksgiving Day proclamation, he said, we have been a most favored people, we ought to be a most thankful people. We live in a country that has been blessed by God. Americans have much for which to be thankful. And if that's true of Americans, it is especially true for those of us who are Christians. For of all the people in the world, none should be more thankful than those of us who follow Jesus, folks who have tasted of God's wonderful grace. In fact, the term gratitude is actually from the root word grace. Gratitude is our response to God's amazing grace. As he is gracious to us, we should be grateful to him. Think of all that God has done for you. He spared not his only son. He's given you life, new and never-ending, full and free, holy and happy. Add to that a complete pardon, a new birth, abounding love, a steadying peace, the presence of his spirit, a supernatural strength, 
special callings and gifts, brothers and sisters in Christ, man, even a home in heaven. With all that God has done for us, the least that we can do is to be thankful. Bible commentator William Heslop once wrote, To save such a sinner as I, God shall never hear the end of it. That should be all of our sentiments. My mom believed in writing thank you notes. Whenever my brother and I would get a gift, she expected us to sit down and to write a thank you. And I hated it. I'd already said thank you. I'd rather be outside riding my bicycle or playing football. I'd already said thanks anyway. I figured that should be enough. But not for mom. No, she believed that you weren't really thankful unless you took the time and made the effort to express your gratitude in a tangible way. If I ask you this morning, are you thankful for all that God has done for you? I'm sure 99% of us would reply, of course I'm thankful. Who isn't thankful? God is good. But are we thankful enough to express our gratitude? I heard the courageous but tragic story of Edward Spencer Ned was a Bible college student strolling along the shores of Lake Michigan one day when he saw a boat full of passengers sinking in cold, choppy waters. With no consideration for his own safety, Ned bravely dove into the icy water. He swam out into the lake and back to the shore a total of 16 times, rescuing 17 people. After everyone was safe, Ned collapsed from exhaustion on the bank. In fact, he never fully recovered from his heroic ordeal. Complications set in that ended up stunning his health and kept Ned from pursuing a full-time ministry. But to make matters worse, not one of the 17 people Ned Spencer plucked from Lake Michigan that day ever returned to find him and to say thanks. Not one. Now, I'm sure if you had tracked down each person, I'm sure they would have said that they were grateful. But no one bothered to express their gratitude to Ned. Hey, Jesus has made a far greater sacrifice for us than Ned did in rescuing those people from the lake. Jesus has rescued us from the lake of fire. But have we taken the time and have made the effort to truly say thanks? In Luke 17, Jesus returned to a certain village and he met 10 lepers crying out for mercy. You remember, Jesus healed all 10 lepers. And as soon as he did, they raced off to the priest to be pronounced clean and to begin their new lives. Only one man bothered to return to Jesus and to thank him for the miracle. And that's when Jesus asked, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Today, millions the world over are recipients of the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus. But we can still hear him asking, didn't I heal Jim and Joan? Didn't I save Avery and Ashley? Didn't I comfort Jose and Maria? But where are they? And here's my question for us this morning. Are we among the nine, nowhere to be found? Or are you and I among the few who have taken the time to express our thanks? On the bus one day, a man gave up his seat to a woman. His act of courtesy so shocked the lady she fainted. She wasn't used to such gracious men. 
Well, when the lady was revived, she thanked the man for his kindness. Her gratitude, gratitude so shocked him, he fainted. <laughs> Neither the man nor the woman were used to gracious and grateful people and were shocked by their expressions. And I wonder if God would be shocked today if we, you and I, stopped complaining about our spouse and our job and our kids and our neighbors and simply took some time and made an effort to say thanks to God for all the many blessings he has lavished upon us. In Psalm 116, the psalmist tells us how to say thanks to God. In verse 12, he asks the question, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? In other words, what does God prefer in the way of a thank you? Does God want a thank you note? Maybe a fancy card or some candy and flowers? I mean, how do you show the almighty God that you're thankful for all his benefits? If I'm going to put some time and make an effort at this and expressing my thanks, then surely I want to express my gratitude in a way that's going to please him. Well, this morning's text supplies us three ways to say thanks to God. First, take up the cup of salvation. Second, call upon the name of the Lord. And third, pay your vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Let's take a closer look here at Psalm 116 and learn how to say thanks to God. To me, verse 13 offers a truly strange means of expressing thanks. The psalmist answers, I will take up the cup of salvation. But remember the question, what shall I render or give to God for all his benefits? Notice here he instructs us, he tells us to give by instructing us to take. I give to God by taking? It really does sound strange until I think it through. For what can I really give to God that he doesn't already possess? You see, God is the one person who really does need nothing. There are folks on my Christmas list who are going to be difficult to buy for because they already have everything that I can afford to give them. And this is true with God. In Acts 17, verses 24 and 25, Paul said to the men of Athens, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything. The one true God is in need of nada. He owns all things. Psalm 50 tells us that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That means our scrawny sacrifices don't impress him much. I was at a Christmas party once when someone suggested that we go around the room and we share what we intended to give God that year for Christmas. Most of us talked about giving God more of our time or our money or our energy. Then came my friend's turn. He shocked the group by announcing that he had nothing to give to God. He said, someone asked him, said, well, why? Why do you say such a thing? He said, because God already owns everything I've got. Realize true gratitude begins with a frustration. God has given us so much, yet there's nothing that we can really give to him in return. All we can do is take what he's given us 
and allow it to accomplish its intended purpose in our lives. We thank God for his blessings when we enjoy them to the fullest. If you want to say thanks to God, then take hold of the goblet of grace. Take up the mug of mercy. Put it to your lips and take a deep, long drink. The cup of salvation brims with blessing. It's heavy with heaven. David was speaking of this cup in the shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We need to savor every single drop of God's blessing. If you want to say thanks to God, you do so by taking advantage of his many and marvelous gifts. Think of it. God has journeyed from the heights of heaven to the depths of this earth, from the crib to the cross, from a cold, dark tomb to now a throne in heaven just to bring us blessings untold. The least that we can do is open up our hearts and receive his goodness toward us. Try to compensate God for his gifts, and you only devalue them. If we could earn God's blessings, it would cheapen the price God paid to acquire them. As the poet put it, the best return for one like me, so wretched to the core, is from God's gifts to draw a plea and ask him still for more. If you want to thank God for his grace, then ask him for more. Take up the cup of salvation and keep on drinking. My grandma was a Southern gourmet. You ever met any of these people? Southern gourmets. Grandma Adams could whip up a scrumptious meal in the blink of an eye. Black-eyed peas, cornbread, hot buttered grits, collard greens, fried green tomatoes, okra, biscuits and gravy, fried chicken. I mean, all the extras. If you're not a native Southerner, you might not appreciate that. That might not sound appetizing to you, but trust me, if you could sample my grandma's cooking, you'd be an admirer. She was amazing. Whenever a visitor came to her house, no matter the time of day, she'd start dinner, and she would invite you to her table. Before you knew it, she had served up a banquet fit for a king, and she would take nothing for it. In fact, if you tried to pay her, you would insult her. The only way you could say thanks to my grandma was to clean your plate. My grandma's reward for her cooking was the joy of seeing someone scarf up her vittles and come roaring back for more. The greatest insult was for you to nibble a bit, then push your plate aside as if you didn't like it. And that's the way it is with God's blessing. When we clean our plate and ask God for more, we say thanks. But when we don't have time to eat or when we fill up on other stuff, junk food, oh, we break God's heart. We insult God when we consume the junk food of this world, when we feed on the garbage that this world offers and we don't bring our appetites to his table. Here's a quote for you. This is the height of all madness. This is the lowest depth of all sin. God spares not his own son, and we stand with our hands folded on our chest. We need to reach out. We need to say thanks to God by grabbing every single blessing he bestows. Don't waste God's grace. Turn up that cup of salvation and keep on drinking. Well, here's a second way to say thanks to God. 
Notice again verse 13. We're told to call upon the name of the Lord. Take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. When trouble strikes, when a need arises, we say thanks to God by calling on him for help. Now again, this sounds like a selfish way to express our thanks. You'd think we would do for God rather than ask God to do for us. But again, what can we really do for God that he can't do a better job of himself? I mean, when a dad involves his toddler in a project, he's not doing it because he needs a kid's help. If anything, the child is only going to get in his way and slow him down. No, dad gets his toddler to help because he enjoys the child's company. Or maybe he wants to use the task to teach the child a skill. And this is why God involves us in his work. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. When we serve God, we're not doing God a favor. He's doing us a favor. This is why we say thanks to God. Not by helping him, but by asking the Almighty for his help. You know, when my kids were younger and got into trouble, it happens. (laughs) Pastor's kids getting into trouble. Imagine that. When my kids got into trouble, they didn't search the yellow pages for the nearest PhD. They didn't canvass the university for an expert in the field. They didn't even dial 911. You know what they dialed? When my children had a problem, they dialed DAD. They ran to dad. And they expected me to take over the situation and to salvage a solution. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Nothing flatters a father more than when a child instinctively turns to them for help. And the same is true with our Father God. If you really want to say thanks to God, make him your first retreat in times of trouble, not your last resort. Let me give you an illustration. What if you find an automobile mechanic who does good work? He's fair, he's honest, he's efficient. How do you say thanks to that mechanic? You send him a thank you note? A pick-me-up bouquet? No way. Try that with a macho mechanic and he might just punch you in the mouth. No, what that mechanic wants most is your return business. So the next time your car breaks down, if you look up another mechanic, he'll assume that you weren't satisfied with his service. But if he's the first person you call when the car breaks down, that mechanic will know that you appreciate his work. And likewise, when you get sick, when you break down, what's your first reaction? Take an aspirin? Call a doctor? Or do you pray? Do you run to God for his intervention in your situation? When you're lonely, what's your first response? Call a friend? Take in a movie? Visit a bar? Or do you open your Bible and renew your friendship with God? When business dips, what's your first remedy? Increase marketing? Downsize the labor force? Hire a consultant? Or do you get on your knees and trust God for his blessing? And when you're tired and weary, where do you seek rest? Do you watch television and veg out? Go on a vacation? Or do you ask God for his peace? See, the psalmist tells us that we say thanks to God by calling God on the name of the Lord. 
For years, when my kids worked their way through high school and then college, I would proofread their English composition papers. First it was Natalie, and then it was Nick, and then it was Mac. My kids figured out that it was nice to have an author in the family who could review their papers before they turned them in. And they would usually email me their paper at 10 o'clock, maybe 11 o'clock, the night before the assignment was due the next day. And I would always mumble to Kathy something like, what do these kids expect me to do? Drop everything that I'm, that, that I'm doing to try to help them out at a moment's notice? But that's not how I really felt. I was glad they wanted my help. In fact, if they had ever stopped, I would be insulted. The only time reviewing their papers bothered me was when we got it back from the professor with a grade of C. <laughs> how did I get a C on this paper? But boy, when my kids ran to me for help, I felt loved and trusted and appreciated. I'm glad they wanted my input. And this is how God feels when we call on him. Did you hear about the couple who got married at the travel agency? Yeah. As it turned out, she was looking for a getaway, and he was her last resort. (laughs) Is the Lord your last resort, or is he your first retreat? You say, thanks to God, by calling on the name of the Lord. And then the third way the psalmist tells us that we can say thanks to God is to pay your vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The writer of Psalm 116 was so thankful to God that he would take his little lamb, the pick of the litter, and he would parade his sacrifice through the streets from his hometown up through the streets, the alleys and the byways of Jerusalem, without regard to the opinions of other people, simply overwhelmed with love and enthusiasm for God, the psalmist would go up to the temple and he would offer his sacrifice openly and publicly before the community. And if we are truly thankful to God, we too will go public with our praise. You know, Jesus told us that when we pray, we should go into our closet and we should close the door behind us. The prayer is a private act. But when we praise God, we need to roll down the windows. Whisper your prayers, but shout out your praise so all can hear. Psalm 107 verse 2 says it clearly. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We live in a day when every blasphemous, godless evil imaginable gets drug out into the light of day and paraded across our TV screens. People flaunt their sacrilege and spew their irreverence. There's no shame anymore. It's about time we who are grateful to God grew just as bold and just as vocal. Let's stop acting as if we're ashamed of God. Let's go out into the marketplace and let the world around us know that our success is due to God's great blessing. Praise and thanksgiving need to go public. I've never known much about cars. While other boys had their heads under the hood tinkering with an engine, I was off somewhere dribbling a basketball or passing a football. I know where to insert the key. I know how to make it go fast. But that's about the extent of my mechanical prowess. When it comes to automobiles, I'm ignorant. 
But you need to understand a vital point. This is not just true of me, probably a lot of you guys. Even though I might be ignorant, that doesn't mean I like to admit it. For engines in Greece are macho stuff. A man, a real man, needs to know his way around the engine block. No self-respecting man wants to be known as mechanically illiterate. I'll never forget the day when I was exposed. Totally humiliated. Right after Kathy and I got married, we made a trip to North Lake Mall. We were about to leave when the car wouldn't start. So I popped the hood. And don't misunderstand, that doesn't mean I was going to do anything. Certainly didn't mean I was going to fix anything. I just heard the first thing you do when your car doesn't start is you pop the hood. But then a horrible thing happened. Two guys walked over to help me. I couldn't let them know how inept I was. And so I grabbed a screwdriver and I started slapping on stuff, you know, just sort of fiddling around like I knew what I was doing, pretending that I had some knowledge. I didn't think it could get any worse, but it did. For all of a sudden, my sweet, wonderful, brand new wife gets out of the car and right in front of these two grown men, she takes the screwdriver from me and she proceeds to fix the car. She decides to play Mrs. Goodwrench right there in broad daylight. Kathy Adams proceeds to fix the car all by herself. I was totally humiliated. Don't be clapping. Don't be clapping. <laughs> it was obvious my wife knew more about cars than I did. Now two other grown men had the evidence. I should have been thankful. In fact, later that night, I thanked Kathy privately. But publicly, in the parking lot, at that moment, I was so embarrassed. And you see, this is the problem that many people have in their relationship with God. You see, privately, they'll thank God. Oh, but publicly, they would rather everyone else think that they did it themselves. See, humans don't like broadcasting to others their ineptitude. And their dependence. Why is that? Why is it so hard for us to admit our weaknesses? None of us are truly independent and self-sufficient people. There's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. Friend, you were in debt the moment you entered this world. On the day you were born, you already owed somebody nine months room and board. <laughs> Psalm 100 verse 3 tells us, that we all owe God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We depend on God for the air we breathe and for our next breath. Why is it so hard for us to be honest about our dependence on God and go public with our praise? I'll tell you the problem. It's pride. For pride slays thanksgiving. See, a proud person hates to say thanks. If it does, it shatters the illusion that he or she is in control. Gratitude is the admission that I have a need that I can't meet. And we've all got those needs. I mean, who's fooling who? See, it's so freeing just to drop the facade and be grateful. The tribes of East Africa, they have unusual ways to say thank you. The Maasai tribe of Kenya... They bow their heads to the ground and they say, my head is in the dirt. 
members from another tribe sit on the ground for a long time before the hut of the person before whom they're thankful. They say, I sit on the ground before you. These Africans understand a truth that makes gratitude so difficult for people here. They realize that true thanksgiving is first and foremost an act of humility. The psalmist contends that we're not really grateful to God unless we're willing to lay aside our pride and go public with our praise. True thanksgiving won't be intimidated by the sneers and the slights and the scowls of other people. It will still rise up even when looked down on. Robert Walpole was Britain's first prime minister. But his administration failed because he was betrayed by former friends who voted him out of office. Walpole was sitting in the House of Commons that day when the members stepped forward to cast their vote to bring down his government. One by one, his opponents stepped up to cast their votes. As each man passed, Walpole made comments to the reporters around him. He said, that fellow I spared from the gallows. And that man over there, I saved him and his family from starvation. And I promoted that man's son to an office in my government. And on and on the stories went. Each parliament member who voted against Walpole that day had a reason to be thankful to him. But rather than express their gratitude, they buckled under to the political pressures that were being applied. Those parliament members lacked the courage to say thanks. And when it comes to our relationship with God, don't ever let it be said of you that you buckled under to the political pressures, for there are, they are out there. Peer pressure, or corporate pressure, or family pressure, or career pressure. Don't, don't ever let it be said that you buckled under to the pressures and you cowered away from giving our great God the credit he deserves. Sometimes it just takes guts to show gratitude. Don't just praise God in the safety of this church or in the quiet of your home. Be courageous and go public with your thanksgiving and praise. Let me close with a story of a man who found the barn where Satan kept his seeds. There were seeds of discouragement, doubt, fear, lust, greed, guilt. And it frightened this man to hear Satan boast of how his seeds would take root and grow in most any type of soil. The man questioned him, are you sure they'll grow in any soil? And that's when Satan backtracked. He reluctantly admitted, well, there's one place where I can never get them to grow, and that's in the heart of a grateful person. Oh, how you and I need to be thankful people. And how do we say thanks to God for all his many benefits towards us? Well, the psalmist tells us there's three ways. We take up the cup of salvation. We enjoy every single blessing the blood of Christ has purchased for us. Second, we call upon the name of the Lord. In times of trouble, we run to our heavenly Father for help. And we pay our vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. We go public with our praise. And we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.